Welcome back to the Cinephiles Flashback. I'm your host, Fred Carroll. Today we're going to discuss the 96th Academy Awards, which takes place Sunday, March 10th. And for the next few weeks, let's discuss Best Picture. So the nominees this year are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killer of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Four Things, and Zone of Interest. And deserving inclusions, but only one winner. Before we go into it and I start reviewing these things, people should know that I absolutely love the art of film. I love the process, beginning to end. All of these films deserve a shot. I find it enthralling that the artistic dream that once floated in someone's head can be transformed to the screen. To me, it's magical. I envy the writers, the directors, the actors, the editors, the staff, the guy serving food. And although I will remain honest in my opinion, I'll never outright trash or disrespect another person's art form. But I will remain truthful and give you a creative review as seen through my eyes and my fucked up mind. So let's begin with Past Lives. A drama romance genre. The bio says Nora and Hei Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends, are wrestled apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. So this is directed and written by Celine Song, her debut, I believe. Produced by the amazing structure known as A24. Not the first time we'll mention them. Honestly, I went into this assuming due to its foreign language and subtitles that I wasn't going to enjoy it. I was wrong. I assumed that the storyline and the genre of romance could never get through to me. And once again, I was wrong. This film absolutely, fully hit home. I understood the meaning, the feelings, its purpose. Obviously, I am not Korean. I am not foreign in any way. I'm not a woman or married or younger. And none of it mattered because what I am is human. I grasped the same emotion of struggling with the what ifs, struggling with the grass of being greener elsewhere. I've pined for someone unknowingly if they ever thought of me. I've wondered, I've guessed, I've dreamt of a better option. And I've hurt. This is a human film. Has an ability to hit home no matter your race, religion, gender, your um, social status. We all have wondered what if. And now I am wondering what if past lives wins the award. It's definitely in the race. Definitely. So Celine Song, the writer and director, somehow got her finger on this pulse. And the only way thing I could think of is this must be her story. It's so humanly flawed in all the right places. It creates moments and causes one to consider another's feelings or reaction. The American husband and his ability to communicate. It's got to be someone she knows. I feel like 
Honestly, I feel like I found her diary and read entries. None of it is overexposed or needlessly dramatized to engage viewers. Now, one thing I do understand is that a lot of other husbands couldn't handle this. But in the film, her husband handles it masterfully. Masterfully. What big word to say. With limited jealousy or concern shown in dialogue. This is a grown-up film. Maybe the most grown-up film about love I have ever seen. I think it's got a very, very good chance of being nominated, well, it is nominated, of being the one. It's that well done. And I think if you sit down and watch it with an open mind, that you too will see that everything she's talking about, we've all been through, regardless of our race and all that stuff. Okay, so that's Past Lives. Enjoyed it immensely. Let's move on to Maestro. Maestro is a drama historical biography genre. Bio says this love story chronicles the lifelong relationship of conductor and composer Leonard Bernstein and actress Felicia Montalinegra, or something like that, Bernstein. Directed by Bradley Cooper, written by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. Oh, Bradley, Bradley Cooper, you dreamy, amazing talent. I will give a lot more details, but to begin, I expected more from this than I felt. I applaud the effort and desire to be perfect. I respect his everything, and he is probably a top five actor for me, maybe top three. But this isn't the film for me. The story is there. It just didn't engage me. The cinematography is stunning. There's a single camera one shot scene of an argument that is a fucking masterclass at planning. It's just perfect. The acting in this is superb. The wife played by the beautiful and talented um, Carrie Mulgan by far exceeded my expectations. Anything she receives for this role is well-deserved. She fit the role. The words felt real coming from her mouth. She deserves everything she gets from this. So to overanalyze the point of how could I like and or love most aspects, aspects of this film and still not enjoy the film, I needed to evaluate deeper. And this is my deduction. Leonard Bernstein, for all his accomplishments, just doesn't feel like a substantial, a substantial front-end man. To me, he was a behind-the-scenes type with his back to the audience. No one could question his talents, but I rarely ever consider the conductor. It isn't something casually spoken about and never felt important. And of course, these are just my stupid analytical thoughts. Because is the film worth watching? Absolutely. Is it Bradley's best? Not in my opinion, it isn't. Now, on a side note, I was removed from the set of this film when he filmed in my town. And I'm not going to brag about this or anything because it's stupid. I broke the law stupidly just for the, 
I don't even know why. I'm a grown man for Christ's sake. But I decided to sneak on as a worker. Put the uniform on and everything. I was caught very quickly because they weren't fucking around there. And thankfully, all they did was remove me and ask me to leave. I did get within a football field of Mr. Cooper, but regardless, it's a dumb idea. So Bradley definitely has the drive to become a Clint Eastwood type filmmaker. This man understands the process. He understands all facets of the business and he shines way more than he doesn't. I'm sure many others love this film and disagree with my review. And that's exactly what films should do because films an art form, not specific to just my likes. I have opinions and mine isn't more important than yours. Art needs to be discussed and it needs to be seen. It needs honesty. The film created by Mr. Cooper is so well shot. The angles, the dialogue is so well done to me, not the winner. But does that to me matter? I don't think so. So go find out for yourself. Go watch Maestro. Support the arts. And form your own opinion. Okay, and the next film. Poor Things. A comedy drama romance. Before I even get into this, there's several instances, including with American fiction, where they label as comedy. I guess it's very, I guess you have to put something down, but I would hardly call them comedies. I guess they'd be dramedies because there's more drama involved in their funny moments. And funny is respected to the person laughing or finding it funny. But this is the incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox science scientist Dr. Goodwin Dr. Godwin, sorry, Dr. Godwin Baxter, known as God in the film. Beautiful. Director Yorgos Lanthimos, written by Tony McNamara for the screen, and Alistair Gray, the novel, which I highly recommend. So this is a deep breather here. So now this is where my movie experience took its darkest turn. This is a spectacular vision of insanity with a clear message. And anyone brave enough to swim through the crazy will arrive at the end satisfied yet scarred. The movie begins as colorless and with it transports you into their Victorian time which from my research says is from 1820 to 1914. So somewhere between that time frame, I don't believe in the film they ever mention a year or anything that would give me a dead set time. But the director uses fisheye lens to create this fantasy-like feel. The purposeful darkness masterfully presented where the camera angles never force you to concentrate on any specific area. So if you aren't familiar with Yorgos Lanthimos, you may not grasp any of these concepts. This man comes at you hard with unique, insane ideas. He never takes his foot off the gas as he creates more insanity within the character's growths. Emma Stone herself in this is simply fucking amazing. 
I can't even imagine someone else doing it or pulling off what she does in this film. So without giving away any major um, spoilers, this is basically a Frankenstein type plot. It creates a thought provoking yet dark and disturbing view of survival, growth, um, love, connection, sexuality. The sex parts are vast. I got to tell you, they're vast. They're graphic and perhaps a tad too far. Not necessarily for my taste, but I could see it being an issue. Too far, but needed, in my opinion, to satisfy the ending. I could easily see others walking out if either they are put off by the human body or simply just don't have the ability to suspend their belief. It's... It's something you have to do going into this. The film's absolutely unhinged at times. It takes you deep inside the mind and wonderment of a child, yet reveals the typical responses and, in, and instincts of a modern-day woman. You cannot go into this film with any negativity. You cannot fake your way through it. You're either going to love it, as I did, or despise it. And regardless, poor things is a front runner and deservingly so. The next film is American fiction. Now this is a, I saw this on Saturday, which coincidentally was black movie day. And I'm happy to say that I saw it with a mostly black audience. And the film is directed by Cord Jefferson, written by Cord Jefferson and Percival Everett, a novelist who is fed up with the establishment, profiting from black entertainment, uses a pen name to write a book that propels him into the heart of hypocrisy and madness he claims to disdain. So it isn't often that the Academy chooses a comedic film as a nominee. This film isn't a true laugh-out-loud comedy, but more of a comedic look at how race plays a role more specific in the entertainment business in regards to white persons. It isn't political in nature, more mind-opening. It isn't a made-for-black-audience-only film. Although some dialogue can get lost among non-black watchers, I believe that's the point of the film. It's farcical by accident, but the truth lays somewhere within the lies. It's a film and a very good one. Regardless of your race, you can't help but recognize the disparity between races. And we're all aware of it. Without any spoilers, I did end up discussing the meaning of this film with my friend who I went to see it with me, who went to see it with me. She's a white woman and obviously me, a white man. And we both agree that although presented in a farcical manner that most of us white people do initially think as the film depicts. I personally blame the news for shoving the black crime rates down our throats, but never showing us the positives. And we, and by we, I should say me, in my mind and opinion, grasped the concept of the film. Whether or not it's changed any opinions or future changes within me is yet to be determined. But this film would not shock me to be awarded with the prize. The acting, 
dialogue and the presentation is well placed. And as long as you go into it, understanding its farcical intention and overall its specific target, you should enjoy it immensely. It's, it definitely hit a soft spot in me. And it's something that my mind, which is always running analytically and I'm a very on the fence type guy. I'm a very middle of the road type guy. I don't like to offend one side versus the other and all that. So I find a way to find the happy medium. And this film found it for me. I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite film I've ever seen, but it is eye opening and believable because I am an author and this is about an author. And just to get into a little deeper of it, it's basically an author who writes, quote unquote, the regular books and is accused of not being black enough in his books. And his point is, well, I'm black. I wrote it. It's a black book. But that's not true in the in the world that he's dealing with. They want the jailhouse stuff and the gang related stuff and all that. And he figures, well, I'll just pretend to write like that just to make a joke on them. And it turns into a huge hit. So it's a, it's, it's very well done. Whoever wrote it in the book form, and I'm not sure who it is. They do show it at the end of the film and I'll look that up. Did a very good job at presenting it because it's not racism as much as it's racial. It's, I don't even know what I mean by that, actually. It's just something that I'm thinking of as I'm, I'm going here. And it's a hard subject to talk about. Even some of the things I just said come off probably wrong, but it's just the way I feel watching this film. And it is farcical, but it's not untrue. And that's the the whole facts of the film. It's a jokingly view of a different side, a different view for me personally. And I wouldn't be shocked to see this film win at all. I just wouldn't. And it would be good for comedy. Definitely. Although I don't consider this your prototypical comedy, I think it just has comedic nature in it because some of these things, just like in life, sometimes you have to laugh at the worst things just to keep your sanity. But it did make me, it's a thinker. And if art makes you think or a film makes you think, it's done its job. And I'm glad I got to see it. I'm, I'm very glad I got to see it. Okay, the next film I want to talk about is The Holdovers. So in my opinion, Paul Giamatti is overlooked as an actor. He's from my hometown area of New Haven, Connecticut. His father working both for Yale University and Major League Baseball. He isn't a prototypical leading man. Not an overly stunning looker, but his roles chosen often fit perfectly to his ability. Let me tell you about this movie first. 
A cranky history teacher at a remote prep school is forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go and a grieving cook, which is a poorly, poorly worded tagline. But it is directed by Alexander Payne, written by David Hemmingson, starring Paul Giamatti, Devine Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa. So yeah, this... This film itself definitely had it, you know, a, a great feel about it. It's a feel-good film, but Paul Giamatti just shines through this. He shines. The movie was written well, almost biographical in nature when compared to Paul Giamatti's actual border school experience at a border school here in my town. This was a comfort zone, and you could tell. The story's well-written, although told numerous times before. They did manage to add enough twists and depth to allow human nurturing to develop. Now, it's not a movie you haven't seen before. Although you haven't seen it from this point of view of Paul Giamatti. And I think everything he does, right from his pig vomit days of um, the Howard Stern movie to his sideways film. He's just a, he's a certain type of actor that needs to fit the role perfectly. And he always does. So whoever's choosing him, whether it's him or his agents is doing a damn good job. Now, I don't think this film is the winner. I don't think this is a film that I'm going to see seven times. I don't think it's a film that I'm going to, every time I come across it, I'm going to finish it. I do have a few films such as Breakfast Club and Almost Famous that do that to me. But there's a reason it was nominated and I don't know if it's because of Alexander Payne, who's a very famous director and very good at what he does. But I got to believe it's just, it deserves it. It's earned the right to be nominated. Just in my opinion, it has not delivered the result to be considered the best movie of 2023. So that's going to be it for the Cinephiles flashback. I know this is a short one and stuff, but I just want to get these movies out there because I think you have a chance to go see them. And I think you should start doing this in your own life. Let's see what the, what is the Academy thinking when they nominate these films? How does it? Maybe we'll delve into that and try to get somebody on that knows more about this, how a movie gets nominated. What's it take? But what are the, I like to see all 10 because I want to see what did all 10 have that made them pop out like they do. And I know sometimes it is um, political in nature when you're talking about Bradley Cooper's of the world and stuff like that, Leonardo DiCaprio's. But where does the voting, is it a money game? Is it a who could advertise the best? Who's got the prettier girl in the film all these things doesn't matter so i'm not sure 
But like I said earlier in it, I love film. I could watch a movie and do watch movies every day. Sadly, like a loser. But that's going to be it for the Cinephiles flashback. So join us again next week where we'll discuss the rest of the films that I still need to see. There are a few that I think the only ones I have not seen yet are, well, I've seen, we still need to talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Those are two I've already seen. And Zone of Interest, having trouble finding where to see it, which is sad when a movie is nominated that not enough places are showing it. Um, Anatomy of a Fall, another movie that isn't easily seen. I guess on YouTube, they're offering it in a rental. So I'm going to see that. And I think, I think that's it. Unless I'm missing one. And I don't think I am. So we'll get to the rest of them next week. So this is Cinephiles Flashback. I'm your host, Fred Carroll. Um, where it's okay for a movie to touch you when you're young. Some people don't like when I say that. I find it exhilarating to say because it's got a feel to me and it's funny and fun. And I know not everybody finds it that way. So stop being so insensitive. It's my art. Respect my art. Okay, everybody, I'll see you again next week. Goodbye.